Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just even um, being able to live in a community where uh, Jim works at Safeway and people from the church can see him. And just uh, we're thankful for that, Lord God. Thank you for all the lives he touches there. Um, we praise you for that. Um, Lord, we uh, thank you for Ken and just being able to talk with his sister over this last week and pray that that would just bear fruit in uh, many ways. Pray for Jordan and Lucille, Lord God, just that you would work. Lord, we know, uh, we thank you for Stephen Brenda's just faithfulness there. Um, pray that um, you would just give them wisdom, ministering to him. Uh, Lord, we um, uh, just uh, pray that you would give us wisdom in uh, reaching out to others to proclaim the gospel and making disciples, and then to be discipling one another here in the church. Lord, we thank you so much. Help our time this morning as we continue to think about holiness and um, and just seeing what you have done. Um, Lord, pray that we would stand in awe of you and love you and know you better. Uh, we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so uh, just uh, I always want to kind of just start, remember kind of our, I'll call it our theme verse for the whole time we're talking, um, and uh, ultimately where we're headed, and I think you're going to start to see the payoff, uh, you're finally going to start to see the payoff of like, well, man, we've been in Leviticus and the Old Testament for a long time, why are we doing that? Well, I think you're going to start to see the payoff um, today, um, and, uh, but remember kind of that fundamental arc uh, of holiness, of the theme verse in 1 Peter 1, uh, 14 through 16, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you should be holy, for I am holy. And so we said, okay, that leads us back to the Old Testament and the Old Testament conception of holiness. Uh, so we need to spend some time there. So we spent a couple weeks understanding what is holiness. So we've been defining holiness like this. Holiness is uncommonness in relation to God or, or people, places, or things. With reference to God, it describes his utter uncommonness and incomparability because of who he is as God. With reference to people, places, or things, holiness indicates that God has declared the person, place, or thing as uncommon and belonging to himself for his own use. The closer the person, place, or thing is to God's naked presence, the more holy or uncommon must be the person, place, or thing. And then we also ask this question, well, how does that relate to the idea of glory? And they are interconnected. The definition of glory, we've said, is this. God's glory is the weight of his intrinsic being or the manifestation of that weight. To glorify God is to reflect to him some measure of the weight of honor that is proper to his being. The relationship, God is holy. He's uncommon. He's incomparable because of his glory. Uh, God, we've also said this. God causes things to be holy by the presence of his glory, like the tabernacle. Uh, or here's another dimension I kind of thought about this week, uh, and, and, and we've seen it, and it's this. God requires things to be holy for the presence of his glory, like the ground on Mount Sinai, like the tabernacle, right? It's got to be holy. Uh, the priests have to be holy for God's glory to dwell there, right? So it's kind of a both and, where God's glory does sanctify things. It does make them holy, but it's also bringing them into that. And then last week, what we talked about was Okay, um, how did, how, what, did, what does that sanctification mean? What did that look like in the Old Testament? And basically what we came down to is uh, when God initiated the Exodus, right, he, he brought this people Israel out, and out Mount Sinai he said, you're going to be my kingdom of priests. You're going to be my holy people. You're going to be my own possession. Uh, so there's this initial declaration that you as a nation 
are dedicated for my use. That's the idea of holiness, right? That God is saying, you are people uh, dedicated for my use. So there's an initial declaration of holiness, uh, but then there's an ongoing requirement of holiness. Uh, and we've been spending time in Leviticus because essentially uh, there's this idea of how do you, the goal is, what is the goal? Let's put it this way. What is the goal um, you know, with the whole tabernacle, with the tent, with trying to be holy, all these things, what's the goal of it all? What's the goal of it all? Uh, not necessarily, I mean, yes, obedience is a big part of it, but what's the goal? Even obedience, in a sense, uh, there's an end to there's a goal with it. Um, well, yes, elevating God, and, and that we want to do that, but there's even... Uh, even, so that's us reflecting back to God his worth, which is good, and we want to do that. But even what's, what do, it sounds kind of crass to put it this way, but what do we get out of it? Like, what's, what, what is it that our desire uh, in all of it? We do want to glorify God, and to do that, what do we need to do? What do we need to, okay, but uh, what's, Why? We're trying to move, right? That's that idea of spatialness with holiness, right? Like there's Israel's a holy nation, but within that there's the holy precincts of the temple. Within that there's the, 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 the holy place. Within that there's the holy of holies. Why? Why do we want to draw near closer and closer? Why? To be in his presence. That's it, right? Uh, to be in God's presence, to, uh, to put it this way, the Scripture uses this metaphor of being in the fa- beholding the face of God, right? Um, drawing near to His presence, beholding the face of God, beholding His glory. That's kind of the prerequisite of us glorifying Him. We need to see His glory, and we act as mirrors when we see His glory, and we reflect back to Him some of that worth. But that's the goal of humanity, right? To behold God's glory. And then part of uh, beholding that and enjoying that is then we reflect that back to him, right? That's the goal of the whole Old Testament sacrificial system. So uh, part of that was the Exodus, right? There's an initial designation of Israel. You're a holy nation, so you have the privilege of God dwelling among you, uh, as you in, the, in the tabernacle, Okay. Uh, there, the, someone mentioned obedience. There is the ongoing requirement of holiness through atonement. Uh, like if you're going to uh, draw near to God, there has to be atonement. Uh, so there's an ongoing requirement of holiness through atonement and obedience, uh, ultimately to protect God's name on Israel and him dwelling with Israel. You have this privilege, Israel, of God dwelling with you, but here's the thing. You guys are continually spattering yourselves with sin and uncleanness. So you have to have atonement to even get a shot at drawing near. Um, but uh, So there's this ongoing requirement. And obedience is part of reflecting that holiness. In Leviticus, it's the same thing that Peter said. You must be holy. Why? Because I am holy. You want to draw near? You got to be holy, right? You must be. Uh, you must be in your character, your attributes, your whole life. Even in the things you eat, all those unclean and clean animals, even in the, uh, the mundane things of life, you are designated as my people, and you got to live that way. you got to reflect that. But there's also this other dynamic. So there's an initial designation of the whole people of Israel through the Exodus saying, you're, you're my holy nation, you're my priests. 
There's an ongoing requirement of holiness through atonement and obedience. And then there's an increasing holiness through, and this is what we talked about last week, through Israel assembling, especially on the Sabbath, to bask in God's glory and his presence, right? So kind of how is, um, God talked about that, Exodus 31, Leviticus 23 and 24. The idea is, that's what, that whole idea with the lamp and the holy of holies and the light, the light's supposed to be God's glory, the, the pieces of bread get refreshed, refreshed every Sabbath, and that's supposed to represent the 12 tribes basking in God's glory. But it happened every Sabbath, because there's this idea, you're to assemble before me, Israel, on the Sabbath, on that rest, and to enjoy God's presence, enjoy basking in that. And somehow through that, God says, I'm sanctifying you. Uh, I'm sanctifying you through, uh, in in measure, being able to draw near to my glory, right? Uh, So it's fairly complex, all that's going on, okay? Uh, Any kind of questions, clarifications up to this point to make sure we understand all of kind of the dynamics that are at play? Well, yeah, and They're definitely connected, right? And so that's what, I've spent all this time in the Old Testament trying to paint the, I'm trying to be like, um, I'm trying to paint the backdrop of all of these concepts because a lot of the same concepts are pulled on in the New Testament. And so once we, you understand that Old Testament backdrop, you actually understand the privilege and the amazing dynamics we have as members of the New Covenant. So that's why I've spent all this time kind of drilling on this, and today is actually when we get to shift and start to see the payoff in terms of things like you're talking about, Ken, right? Like, uh, yeah, in the New Testament, uh, and we won't necessarily hit that part today, but Paul does say your bodies individually are temples, the local church is a temple, even as we saw last week, right? Uh, and the whole universal church is the, the kind of ultimate temple at the end of time. So it's all interconnected, right? It's all interconnected. What's that? Yeah, yeah. And the dynamic, so here's, here's the thing, and even as we enter into uh, the shift, so we're going to jump to the New Testament here in a second, but as you think about the shift from old to new, uh, think about, let's just think about the, uh, you, you, in the Old Covenant, you draw near to God, and the, the, the locus, the center of his glory, right, and him manifesting this, is the tabernacle and the temple. It's exterior to you, right? But what's the one of the primary promises of the new covenant? He dwells within us, right? The spirit indwells, just like the spirit, the God's presence indwells uh, the, the tabernacle, right? Uh, the spirit now indwells the new covenant people, which is why we say the church begins, the, the, the what is the church? It's the new covenant assembly, right? Which is why we say the, New Covenant Assembly began at Pentecost because at Pentecost, really, the Spirit's rushing into uh, individuals and the church, right? Uh, the church as an assembly of people, okay? So they're all, they're all interconnected. And what, that's, that, if you were to characterize the shift between old and new, it's, one from, it's a shift from its exterior to you to now being interior, right? It's exoskeleton versus endoskeleton, um, in, in that sense, right? Um, I kind of think about it in those terms. Um, now, the place to go to in all of this um, that I would like to start us off, because it leans on all of Leviticus and the things we've seen, is Hebrews. 
Hebrews is the place to be. Uh, Hebrews is awesome. Now, let's just, I want to remind you of a few concepts before we jump into Hebrews. So think Old Covenant, think the Israelite covenant at Sinai, think the tabernacle or the temple. If you are a sinner, so you're unclean, how do you draw near to God's glory? How do you do that? Okay, confess your sin, but sacrifice, yeah, yeah, ritual, sacrifice, so we could say it like this, you need cleansing, right, you're unclean, so remember that little chart on that handout I gave you, there's that little chart, if you're unclean, unclean through sin or these other ways, how do you draw near to God, you need to be cleansed, you need to be purified through sacrifice, right, uh, there's other, there is the sacrifice, there's other components that, that might happen through that, but it's sacrifice, uh, you need to be cleansed. So if you're a sinner in the Old Testament, how do you draw near to God's glory? Through cleansing, through purification, through sacrifice. Okay, now let's suppose you're clean. Let's suppose you're clean. Are you necessarily holy? No, right? Uh, you are clean, that's kind of the default status, but you're not necessarily holy. So let's suppose I'm Joe Israelite, and I'm, I want to be, I'm clean, but I want to draw near to God's glory. That's the whole goal, right? I want to draw near to God's presence. How do I do that? What would be the next step, so to speak? So I've been cleansed, great, through sacrifice, but how would I, how would I draw near to God's glory? Okay. There, there is that dynamic for sure where it, um, you're increasing in obedience and reflecting it. Susan, what were you going to add? Good. Yeah. Okay. You have to go to the temple. How close can I get as Joe Israelite uh, to God's glory? Not very. So if I wanted to get closer, what Israelites can get closer? The priests, right? Those who are sanctified, right? So just because you're clean doesn't mean you're sanctified, but the priests are sanctified, so they get to go closer, right? They get to go, even like kind of your regular priests get to go into the holy place, right? Um, so as Joe Israelite, I can't do that, so I need a mediator. I need someone who can go closer for me in that sense, right? And then who's, who gets to go the closest? High priest and any old day he wants? One day a year, day of atonement, uh, when God's cleansing everything, he gets to go in. And even then there's a separation, right? Because there's this cloud you can't see God face to face, right? So let me ask you an extreme question. What would uh, the perfect or ideal goal or life be for someone in the Israelite covenant? Like, you're thinking of yourself as an, uh, an old covenant, um, Isra uh, yeah, uh, an Israelite covenant, um, a, a Mosaic covenant uh, Israelite. What would be the ideal, like the ideal life, the perfect life, if you were to put it that way? What's that? Good. The ideal life would be priesthood, and even more so, what would it be? The high priest, because he gets to go in, right? Um, and even, not that this could actually happen, 
what would even be the most ideal? Like, not actually attainable under the Israelite covenant, but what would be ideal? Like, the perfect life, the, the awesomest life, the ideal life. What would it be? You have to live there, to dwell there, right? To, to, to be there um, constantly. And you hear in the Psalms, David talk in this way. He's like, Psalm 27, uh, I would love to just dwell in your temple and behold your beauty and gaze upon you. So as you read these Psalms, right, that's the longing. Like the ideal perfect life is, if that were even possible, to dwell in God's whole, um, in his glory, in his presence, Un, unfiltered, right? That's, and that's the goal of humanity. That makes sense, right? So, but there's barriers, right? Like, you kind of know God from a distance, in a sense, um, under the old covenant, okay? This is making sense to people, okay? So, here's what I want you to keep in mind, because the same three things happen. What did we walk through? If you're a sinner, and you're unclean, you need to be cleansed. If you want to get closer to God, if you're cleansed, you need to be sanctified. If you want to uh, go the distance, so to speak, you need to be perfected, right? You need to be perfected. So think of those three words, right? You start as a sinner, cleansing, sanctified, perfection. And I bring that up because you see the exact same things in Hebrews. And what I want to do, I don't, I kind of doubt we're going to get through it all today, but we're going to start just, I want to pull passages from Hebrews, and I want you to see this. And what's amazing is what the author of Hebrews is doing is saying, He's talking to Jews uh, probably in Rome that are under the Neronian persecution, and they're like, uh, I don't know if Jesus is worth it. Maybe we could just go back to Judaism because the Jews aren't getting persecuted. Uh, that's their temptation. And so the author of Hebrews is like, no, don't do that <laughs> uh, because of the shift that's happened in Old to New Covenant, right? So he lays out uh, the, 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 for us, and you just see the, the realities of this. So let's start in Hebrews. And there's going to be a lot of reading, so a lot of sword drilling here. Um, it's all going to be in Hebrews, though, so you, you're safe to be there. Um, someone start. Let's just start in the first few verses, Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. Someone read that. Okay, so what do you see in this text that connects with what we've already talked about? Tabernacle, temple, all the thing, concepts we talked about. What do you see? Yeah, he's a high priest, right? And what has he done as a high priest? Meaning what? Like what is he, what does it say? Purification, right? There's our cleansing language, right? He is purified and not only that, and the author of Hebrews will, will talk about it later, right? Purification to the point where he sat down, right? The old covenant priest could never sit down, right? They were always working, right? It was, it was a, um, so he, he made a final purification for sins. That's a big deal. What else do you see here uh, related to God's presence, who God is? 
He's the radiance of the glory of God, right? So we said that God's glory, it's his intrinsic value, um, and, but God manifests his glory, right? So what we see here is Jesus is, he, he is God, right? He has that intrinsic weight of glory, but he also manifests God's glory. He's the radiance, he's the rays shooting out from God's glory, right? Uh, so that's just another connection, okay? Let's move on. So like I said, I'm kind of just, I'm sampling uh, as we go through through Hebrews. Turn over to 2.10. And uh, just a second. Oh, that's at the turn. Let's say um, someone start reading 2.9 through 2.11. So let's pause there. What do you see? Connection with our ideas of tabernacle, temple, drawing near to God, all of these things. What do you see? Yeah, so Jesus sanctifies, meaning, using our language, right, he uh, brings into uh, uh, people into the realm of holiness. He brings them out of the realm of the common into the realm of what belongs to God for his use. Okay, so that's a good one. What else do you see? What's the goal? Where do you, what's the goal in, that's expressed in this? Relationship. Okay, relationship, but what's the language that author? Uh, yeah, uh, perfection. Uh, yeah, you see that, and you see Jesus is made perfect. Now you're like, wait a minute, Jesus, Jesus doesn't have... Um, any faults. That's true, right? That's not what he's trying to say. Because what did we say? What's the perfect... Well, in this case, the perfect sacrifice, but perfect... Yeah, perfect cleansing, perfect high priest, right? So Jesus, um, he's always been the eternal son of God, but that doesn't make him fit inherently for the job of high priest, right? He needs to become a man in order to be perfect uh, to do that job. Uh, And not only perfect to do that job, but also to dwell as a human being in perfection. What did we say the perfect life was? The perfect life was dwelling in God's glory without having to leave, right? And we see Jesus as both God and man being able to do that. But not only that, what's he doing? where Where are we in all of this? He's bringing us into glory, bringing many sons to glory, right? The goal of life is to dwell in beholding the glory of God, enjoying the glory of God. Uh, And what do we see? Jesus is the perfect, he's totally fit for the job, and he gets the perfect life as both God and man dwelling in God's presence. But not only that, he's a forerunner. He's a, what is the word here? He's the founder. The idea of founder here is this cool word, archagos. I love this word. It used to be my gamer tag, which uh, 
Maybe that was blasphemous. I don't know. Um, I don't use it anymore. But uh, uh, anyway, it, it, uh, it was the, it's the idea of a pioneer. It's the idea of a file leader. It's the idea of a captain, uh, someone who's leading the troop forward. And that's, he's going ahead, leading many sons into glory. He's been made perfect through suffering. The suffering is important because, remember, the Hebrews in Rome, they're undergoing suffering, and they're like, I don't know if this is worth it. And what he's saying is, no, Jesus already paved the way. Jesus is the perfect high priest, uh, and the way you go, the way, you, the way to, into God's presence is through suffering, <laughs> uh, ultimately. Jesus has paid that suffering, ultimately, but then even we experience some of that suffering as, as his followers as we go through life, Okay. Um, and like someone pointed out, he is the one, he sanctifies, he brings us out of the realm of the common into the realm of the holy, those who can draw near, uh, and, uh, and so we are, we are one with him, able, and it sets the stage for us being able to accomplish what the, 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 like the ultimate dream of the Old Testament saint would have had, okay? Um, questions up to this point, or comments? Yeah, Susan. Yeah, good. So Susan's just asking me, can you go through those steps again that we saw in the Old Testament and we're going to see, we're seeing it here too. If you're a sinner, you're unclean. What do you need? You need to be cleansed. You need to be purified through sacrifice, right? Uh, what, but that doesn't make you holy. What makes you holy is being sanctified, set apart, uh, ultimately as a high priest. If you want to draw near to God, you got to, you got to become a high priest. So there's this language of sanctification, right? Uh, but then the ultimate goal, even of that, is perfection. Uh, perfection in the sense of what's the perfect life? The perfect life is dwelling in God's presence, not having to leave, right? Um, and being able to bask in God's glory without having to leave. Jesus can do that. He has been fitted for that. He is the, has the perfect job description based on who he is in the incarnation, living a perfect, sinless human life. Uh, even later in chapter 2, it talks about him being the propitiation. So he's not only the high priest, but he's also the sacrifice that allows all of this to happen, right? But notice, he's, he's going ahead, and he's like going to drag all of us with us to bring many sons and daughters to glory, right? That's, that's this movement, right? So uh, purification first, sanctification next, perfection ultimately. Okay? And that same kind of arc is seen as you walk through Hebrews. Okay? Any other questions, comments up to this point? It just gets better. So it's, it's awesome. Uh, Hebrews is just awesome. So uh, any questions, comments? Okay. So let's skip ahead to uh, 3.14. And... Um, Let me go ahead and read this. Um, let, me, let me start in verse 12, and I'm going to go ahead and read this one. Uh, okay, so he's in chapter 3, he starts talking about the Exodus and what happened to the Exodus. And you remember what happened in the Exodus. We already talked about it. In the Exodus, right, the Passover sacrifice was given, bringing this whole people into a designated state of holiness of a sort, right? Um, and he, he's talking to his, his New Covenant um, believing Jewish friends in that context. He says this, 
verse 12, chapter 3, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt um, led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that he would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient. So we see they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Remember, what was the goal? How were you sanctified? What was kind of the, the, the pinnacle of religious life in Israel in the Old Covenant? What did you do? Related to rest. Sabbath day, right? And on the Sabbath day is when you, as a Joe Israelite, got to dwell as close as you could to God's glory and God's presence. Okay? What is he pointing to here? He's talking about a rest, and he's correlating that with what? Like, what's that? Uh, no, not obedience. Uh, I mean, there is a connection with obedience, I should say that. Um, but promised land, right? Promised land, which... As even in the promised land, he's going to lay this out later, that even, even for the patriarchs going to the promised land, they weren't, it wasn't the land ultimately that they were looking for. They were looking towards what? Rest. Ultimate rest. Like Exodus, or excuse me, Genesis 2 rests, where you get to dwell in God's presence uh, and enjoy that, just rest in his presence. Rest and bask in his glory, Right? So the rest he's talking about here in Hebrews 3 and 4, he's pointing ahead to the ultimate promised land. He's saying, what we crave, what we're desiring is rest in God's presence uh, forever, right? But we're on a journey. Just like the Exodus generation was on this journey, like they're, they were going to the promised land, we're going to the ultimate promised land, right? Uh, and even some of the Old Testament saints, they're looking beyond the promised land to the same thing we're looking at. He'll say that later. Um, but that idea of rest, right, it's connected with all of this of oh, we need, we want to make that rest. That's our goal, okay? Now, uh, like Patricia said, there is, there is a relationship to obedience, right? What's he warning against here, right? So we're headed there. We're headed to that rest. We've already been designated uh, as God's holy people, right? But what do we need to do? Uh, if you want to put it in those terms, now. Like, what's he warning against? Unbelief, right? Um, it goes back to what we were saying with the gospel series, right? Uh, the gospel belief is not just a one-and-done thing. It's an ongoing, persevering faith that keeps us looking ahead uh, and uh, keeps us looking back to Christ's sacrifice and keeps us looking ahead to the rest all at the same time, right? So he's warning. Uh, and he's not only just saying, warning individuals, what is he saying, who's he talking to? So, individuals keep persevering, how do we do that? Yeah. Encourage one another 
every day is as long as it's called today, right? There's the body, right? The, it's not just, okay, individual, make it to the end, but like, man, if it's left up to me to make it to the end, I'm not going to make it, right? But that's why we have body, right? To encourage one another to make it to what? Perfection, to glory, to rest, right? That's, that's what we're looking towards, okay? Questions up to this point? Comments? Yeah, right. Yes. Yep, good. Okay, let's fast forward uh, to the end of chapter 4. Someone go ahead and read familiar passage, but maybe it gives a, we get a little more kind of, we understand what's all feeding into it a little bit more now. Uh, Hebrews 4, 14 through uh, 16. Okay, great. What do we see here that connects with what we've, the whole temple, holiness, all of it, right? What, what do we see here as far as ideas um, that, that connect with what we've been talking about the last few weeks? Drawing near to the throne, right? Where was the throne of God, at least in the, in the Holy of Holies, right? Except for, and he's going to develop this thought as he goes through Hebrew, where is this throne that he's talking about? Heaven. The guy, uh, it says that Jesus passed through the heavens. That's not down, that's up. That's his ascension, right? Uh, he passed through the heavens as the perfect high priest to enter the real holy of holies. He's going to develop that thought as we go through. Uh, and so what's, the, what's he calling people to? That's true. We have a high priest and a sympathetic one. He's perfect. Uh, uh, he's the perfect high priest. He's sympathetic for us. What's the call to us? Draw near, right? Draw near, right? What's he calling us to in terms of the whole temple tabernacle kind of language? What's he calling us to? Yeah, to the throne of grace. Good. Yeah, good. So there, there's all of these things that you guys are picking up on, right? There's the steadfastness because we're looking forward to the rest. So the, in a sense, the whole Christian life is drawing near, isn't it? Right? Because we're looking ahead to that rest uh, and we're persevering. And yet what we see here, I think there's a dynamic that we also see here of, uh, I think, I, I don't think prayer is absent from this, right? I think it's there, right? Where we usually think of this as drawing near in prayer. And I think that's true. I think it's more than that. I think it's saying, persevere, keep going, draw near with confidence. Could you draw near with confidence in the Old Te Testament? No, right? You're going to die, right? But now he's saying, and you're going to see this a couple times in Hebrews, draw near with confidence, which involves persevering in belief through life to make it, right? Uh, not just you, but you need your brothers and sisters around you to help you to make it um, to to the end. But the call is, and it's a, it's a wonderful call, draw near, come in, uh, because now you get to dwell not just in the model, he 
He's going to talk about that as we go along. The, the tabernacle and temple is just a model. It's just a model. Uh, but we're talking about the real deal. And you get to not only draw near in the model, you get to draw near to the real deal in heaven, which is amazing, right? It's absolutely amazing. So uh, questions, comments up to this point? Okay, well, let's keep going. Uh, turn Again, I'm pulling samples. Uh, I just spent time this week kind of thinking through Hebrews and seeing these passages. Uh, so five, and let's say it's five, seven through 10. Go ahead, someone go ahead and read five, seven through 10. Keep going through 10. Melchizedek, yeah. Yeah, that's a mouthful. Um, so what do we see here? Again, we're just kind of sampling passages and seeing how it connects with what we've... What do you see? Yeah, he learned obedience. Uh, not because... Uh, he, he, it's kind of like the learned in terms of experience, right? Like he's experienced obedience as a human so that he can be the perfect high priest, right? Um, so he's not morally imperfect. That's not the idea of perfection here. It's the idea that you're fit for a job, right, again. Um, and, and we see that he's, how, what did he, he learned obedience through suffering. He learned obedience through suffering. He experienced what, uh, he experienced the ideal of what we should do, right? We should obey even through suffering. He experienced all of that. He did it perfectly. He's the perfect high priest, after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, so he's in uh, the perfect ideal state that every human wants to be as a human. Jesus is still a human, right? Dwelling in the real holy of holies, right? Um, but he's also our high priest. He's the mediator between, between us in the real holy of holies, right? Okay? Anything else you see in these, these verses? Yeah, right. Um, I'm there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, which again, that's the call to the audience that the author of Hebrews is writing to because they're here's the choice, like. You either go back to comfortable old Judaism, right? You go back to the old covenant, so to speak, because it's like, well, at least the old covenant people aren't being persecuted under Nero, or you go through suffering 
uh, because you're following Jesus. That's your choice, right? And he's saying you can't go back. You can't go back um, because look at what Jesus has done. But look, even he went through suffering to make it to what an Old Testament Christian couldn't even have dreamed of doing, right? And that's what he's calling us to, right? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. So, uh, okay, next stop. Let's see. Where are we at? Uh, do, 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 do. Okay, uh, 6, 17 through 20. And we'll probably, this will probably be our last stop for this week, and we'll continue next week. But uh, I don't want to rush this, because this is, when you got all the backdrop, and you got all the, uh, the ideas, it's like, oh, this is just sweet meditation, working through these texts and just seeing the promises that are there for us. So um, anyway, uh, 6, 17 through 20. Someone go ahead and read that. Okay, let me just help you with one word. The oath he's talking about is the oath to, in, from Psalm 110. Psalm 110 is the one that says uh, to the Messiah, you are, I, uh, I've sworn by myself, you're a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, right? So that's kind of the oath that he's primarily thinking of right here. Um, he talks about the oath to Abraham as well earlier, but he's primarily thinking about the oath to Melchizedek. So what do you see? What do you see in this from what Ken just read for us? Yeah. Confident and assured to do what? Enter within the veil, right? Uh, and what, what's he talking about? What does he mean? What, yeah, you can draw near to God, not just in the, and again, he's going to develop this thought more, not just in the model, uh, in the tabernacle or the temple, but in the real place, Right? And he's using this language of anchor. I love that, right? Like, Jesus is there, and he's there, right? And not how is he there? There is what? What's a forerunner, right? One who's gone ahead. It's that archagos idea. It's a different word here, but it's that same kind of idea of, of he's, he's there, he's the forerunner, and we're, we're just following, right? And we're gonna, we get to follow him to the same place. Yeah. Boom. That's the deal, right? That if you want it, like you can be cleansed, but that doesn't mean you get to draw near into the Holy of Holies. But here, and in Hebrews, he's saying you get to draw near into the Holy of Holies, which implies what? Only the people who get to draw near into the Holy of Holies are priests, right? Which corresponds to the priesthood of all believers, right? That And think about Israel, right? That You've got this, you've got a select few and really only one who can do that. But now we're talking about in the new covenant, 
I won't remember. He's going to talk about this. He's going to talk about the new covenant later. I'm not going to remember your sins anymore. And uh, I'm going to ca- my spirit's going to indwell you and cause you to obey. So you're going to reflect my holiness in that sense, right? But he's calling us to draw near. And he's, later he's going to use the language, I'm calling you near to serve, to offer sacrifices, to worship, to obey, to do all of those things. But now, as the whole people, as the whole, the whole new covenant people, right? The whole new covenant assembly is priests. Not just one guy or a, a few, right? It's, it's everyone. It's everyone. Which has significant ramifications um, for who we are and how we think about ourselves. Um, and so we'll, we'll pick this up next week and we'll just continue to develop these ideas. Uh, but it even has relationships to the things we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks on Sunday with regard to the ordinances. Um, think back to the Old Testament. Uh, the, the, think back to the Old Covenant. How does, what does a priest, a high priest, have to go through before he starts serving? Cleansing, purification, and specifically, he's like one of the few that goes through a whole body washing before he starts serving which would, and the author of Hebrews is going to allude to this in Hebrews 10, which corresponds to what? Baptism, right? Who gets to share in the food of the sacrifices? The priests, right? And only after you go through, you know, after you're ordained, so to speak, right? That's the idea. So all of these things are connecting. They're connecting even with what we're going to be seeing on Sunday morning. It's, it's amazing. Uh, God's word is just amazing how it all works. So uh, any last-minute questions before we, we, um, we, we end for today? We're going to pick it right back up. And again, I hope you don't mind just walking through slowly because this is just rich stuff. So, um, <laughs> Well, and here would be my encouragement to you. If you have time, if you have time this week, I think your heart will be super encouraged by just reading through Hebrews. It, it doesn't take a long, a long time. It's actually a sermon. Uh, it's, it's about an hour, so I have justification for going an hour. And my uh, no, no, I'm just teasing. But um, but but you, I think your heart, given all that work we've done in the Old Testament, I think your heart would be super encouraged by reading through uh, Hebrews this week. Um, so do it if you can. If you can't, that's okay. But um, I think you'd be encouraged. So all right, let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we just thank you. Um, you are amazing and awesome. You are glorious uh, and holy. And we thank you even for what we're about to partake in. Uh, it's just astounding that you manifest your glory now through the gathering of your people who are a assembly, who are a priesthood. And Lord, we pray as priests, uh, Lord, that unworthy, totally unworthy, and only because of our great forerunner, Jesus Christ, Lord, we desire greatly to honor you. We pray that our focus um, as we sing, as we talk to one another, as we encourage one another, as we exhort one another, as we rebuke one another, as we um, uh, preach your word, all of these things, oh Lord God, we pray that you would be most honored and lifted high. And we just praise you for being able to be mirrors, uh, those who behold your glory and then be able to reflect that back to you in some measure. Uh, So, Lord, please help us to see your glory in the face of Jesus Christ this morning. Um, We pray these things. We thank you for this time. Thank you for this people. In your name, amen.